What's up, crew? Welcome to Filming in Progress, the show that takes you backstage into the world of local businesses and the people who make them shine. I'm Aiden, founder of 2C Media, and I'm here to bring you the candid conversations that unravel the challenges, victories, and untold stories of those who dare to make their mark. We'll be delving into topics like innovation, leadership, and personal growth, providing practical insights you won't find in a business textbook. Grab your beverage of choice, kick back, and get ready to intake the wisdom of founders who have been there, done that, and are still hungry for more. Ready? Let's roll. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We're stoked to be here. Um, we're here in the Yama HQ. Obviously, we've got a lot going on behind us, but we're, we're going to push through that. That's awesome. Um, take me back. Who, who are Pat and Alex? Starting with the deep questions. That's really deep. Um, well, we actually met uh, owning a franchise a long time ago. Kind of always had small business kind of in our blood for sure and kind of part of our relationship as well. Um, my background before that even was also in small business stuff. I've always been really into what can I do to make a name for myself um, and really carve my own path. Uh, I, me and corporate certainly didn't really drive. I went down that path for a while in finance and, and accounting and uh, had some stumbles for sure. Um, and uh, decided to ultimately leave, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Before that, what's one of my, I don't know, growing up, my, uh, my whole life was, was soccer for sure. That was my whole life. Um, I was lucky enough to compete overseas a little bit. Um, and then I kind of stopped and kind of shifted focus to business. And so it's kind of me in a quick nutshell, really. Yeah. But who are you though? I know, it's so <laughs> deep. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. How about you? Um, well, as you know, I am co-founder, co-owner of Yama Vans um, with Pat here. And we have another partner named Kevin. I lead our marketing. Pat is our CEO, whatever that means. <laughs> so often you're like, what do you even do all day? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> That's the hardest sure question to answer, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Who are we? Business owners, dog parents. Yeah, for sure. That's the most important one. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, that's a hard question. Yeah, that's a, that's a good answer. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> uh, why, why Vans? What made you start in Vans? Um, coming from corporate, coming from banking, coming from soccer. Why Vans? Yeah, the, the quick story there is kind of before Yama, my background again is in finance and specifically wealth management back then. So my old company, I started with two, two partners here in the city. We grew that for a little bit and and I wasn't quite aligning with the direction of the industry and that company specifically. So Alex and I said, look, why don't we 
why don't we sell my third of the company to the two partners? We'll leave and go on this like epic six month road trip. We're like, fuck it, we don't have kids, let's be opportunistic. We're never gonna get this chance again. So let's just take like six months off, um, kind of see what I wanna do next with my life. At the time, you could work quite remotely with your job, so we kind of a perfect storm to, Alice can pay for the food and the gas and we can kind of hit the road. So in doing that kind of trip planning, um, I think I got really obsessed with this idea of these off-grid, off-road vans. Back then it was like, not even, not even really a thing in Canada. It was kind of popping off in the US quite a bit. Uh, it's been a thing in Europe for a long time. Um, but I got hooked. I'm also a very like fanatical mindset. So like if I get onto something, like I get obsessed with it. I feel like you probably know what, that, what I mean. Yeah, I'm so, the same way. <laughs> so once I found that, I was like, Alex, this is it. Like, this is like, it's not quite like an RV like I grew up in. It's like something much more capable, much more robust, much more modern, fully self-sustained. Uh, fully off the grid and it's perfect for, for this trip. And that's so why I said, well, why don't, why don't you let me build us one? Because I'm craving a project, leaving my old company. So why don't I build this one and we'll use that for this epic road trip? And Alex was like, okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, we looked at it more and uh, Alex and I decided that, you know, to do this thing properly, it's going to be very expensive, right? So you could do like a quick and dirty version, but we're not super keen on that stuff. If we do anything, we're gonna do it as best as we can. And I wanted our first build for us to be something that people would look at and think, did someone professionally build this in the US? Um, so a bit of a pride thing for me, for sure. And automotives are really in my blood and my family lineage. So I wanted to really make this amazing. So um, we said, it's gonna be very expensive to do. So why don't we rent it out a little bit? So like kind of an Airbnb style, like why don't we like, use it for two weeks or a month, come back, rent it for two weeks, whatever, make a little bit of money back. It's a small bit in the grand scheme of the cost of a van, but it would help. But we couldn't help ourselves but to put some numbers together and we said, well, shit, there's like, there's a real business there. Like, why don't we buy two of these things and then kit them out and rent them out. We could do like 500 bucks a night, one week minimums, have like a lot of fun with this. So we said, let's, let's push our trip back a little bit. Let's try this little hobby business and see how it goes. So that's what we did. We launched the rentals under, under Yama back then. The brand was the same, uh, logo was the same. And then we kind of got rolling and fortunately Alex filled the schedule very quickly and we had a full season booked super fast. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we enjoyed that, that first kind of season. I learned a lot building the first vans for sure. Um, and then we had guests from all over, which was really cool. And they'd kind of, come to the, to the rental, they'd have a fun time in the, in the Rockies, they'd come back and say like, this was my van, I would do this, or you know, I'm really into biking so I would change this, and those conversations were pretty fun to have. And uh, you know, that kind of sparked a bit of a, an idea for us about custom building. And I think at the time the industry was so new to Canada that no one was really existing here locally in Canada, but in the US it was really, really popping, and so we thought, okay, maybe we'll consider that one day. But we had lots of inquiries come in really quickly about custom builds. I think a lot of clients and customers then were like, kind of saw our design of our rentals. Do you want us to pause? Nope. Okay. <laughs> design of our <laughs> rentals. I'm like, oh, it was me. kind of like a, like a happy medium between the builders that existed. I think a lot of builders were very functional. So it was like gray and black and metal and it looked like sick dudes designed the van, you know what I mean? And had a, like a male market focus. And a lot of builders were far on this side where they were like, 
really tiny home and they're using like particle board, they're using like paint and tile and all this shit that shouldn't be in a moving vehicle, uh, let alone an off-grid moving vehicle, an off-road vehicle. So we kind of hit this middle ground that I think was a sweet spot in the market, which was bringing in very functional design with very aesthetic approach design. And that was kind of the result of me pulling towards function and Alex pulling towards aesthetic design. And so clients really liked that and kept calling us and saying, hey, I know you rent, but would you build us one? And at the time I was like, fuck no. I was like, I'm so burnt out from the first, the first build uh, and I'm not a professional to do this. So we kept pushing it off. But um, fuck up really loud. <laughs> we kept pushing it off, but the inquiries kept coming in. So we said, look, let's like look at this industry. Is there an opportunity for us to do this? Um, and so we analyzed it a little bit and said, look, there's an opportunity for this in Canada, especially being in Alberta. It's the RV capital of Canada. We're landlocked, obviously. You can't really get boats, really, in, Can in Alberta. So I thought it was perfect. So we decided to try it. We found two customers in the US that wanted to kind of try it with us early and were willing to kind of take a risk on a, a new builder. And uh, we took on some projects with them and then hired a very specific team. So we were very careful with hiring, again, knowing it's not my skill set, it's not Alex's skill set to build these things, professionally at least. So how can we design this perfect dream team to do this? It's not like you can go hire adventure van builders, right? So we thought, how are we going to take inspiration and do this in an elevated way? And we thought the marine industry is perfect. We're like, the marine industry is very romantic about their vehicles. Uh, the quality is really at the forefront. Um, and it's just, it's a lot more modernized. It's much more off-grid. It's just, it's, it's so advanced from the RV industry, which is very overall kind of cheap and behind the times and kind of monopolized by a few companies that own everything. So we didn't really like that. So we thought, how can we make these things basically land yachts? So we thought, let's bring the marine world into the vans. And that was our approach early. And that's still what we do today. But we found, very luckily, an individual who learned his cabinet-making trade building these gorgeous yachts in Australia. And we took his kind of construction and cabinet-making approach and education and experience, brought that into the vans, and that kind of like catapulted our whole construction approach. Now, a lot of the needs are very similar, right? It's like nothing is straight, it's all curved. You gotta consider weight and vibration and moisture and the whole thing kind of twists as it drives. So very similar considerations, which are so different from construction and residential. So uh, on the flip side of him, we again wanted inspiration, not from the RV world, but somewhere else. So we thought the opposing skill set of him, which would balance it would be automotive mechanics. And like, they're very skilled, technicians in a very specific area and we wanted to make sure that whatever we did at the end of the day you're driving people and families down the road on these things so it's got to be very safe and you want technicians who are certified to do things properly and safely so those that was a clear choice for us we found a 15-year automotive mechanic that I knew from my personal life to join the team uh, and then we kind of had these two guys this little dream team started and we started building um, and that was kind of the beginning that was kind of the start of the Emma so yeah. right on yeah so the founding idea was a trip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you ever go on that trip? No. No. We didn't have our own van. <laughs> we did for a little bit. One yeah. of the rentals. We're actually about to build another one, which is super exciting. We're about to build uh, like a marketing van, basically. So. Um, we always joke about like, it took us what, five years, six years to finally get our own van and go on the trip we wanted to do. Yeah. It just came. It just came around, but a long time coming. Yeah, yeah we've been on like 
shorter ones like down the coast and things like that, down to California, see a couple clients and stuff. But uh, but we haven't done that that original trip, and now it's hard to fathom like the irony no. as you go into business to have more autonomy, and now it's like I can't even imagine trying to take like six months off to do something, you know? So yeah. well, yeah, and like the irony of having like an adventure brand company is like we do less cool stuff because fortunately we're very busy, but yeah, the, the first few years, like we were just all in all the time, consistent. It was just Yama, like at work, at home, because it was us. Mm-hmm. It was just, you live and breathe Yama as we grew it. It's getting a little better now with the bigger team, but uh, yeah, to try and think we would take six months off would be, would be crazy. Yeah. But who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. But I think, I mean, you're also speaking to like why vans. We both have that sort of adventurous spirit in us and we've always loved to do things like that. And so I think this product in particular really spoke to us because we're like, oh, this is something we can lean into with like our love of design, our love of brand, and just our love of like going out there being spontaneous, but also liking a little bit of the creature comforts. Like we grew up, I grew up uh, sleeping in a tent with my parents, basically. You grew up RVing. But like, not like this. It was like (laughs) a 1970 class C that was rusted. It was very different, but yeah, 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 definitely. So it's definitely in our roots, but we kind of put like a Alex and Pat spin on it. We wanted to be a little bit more capable, off-grid, all that kind of stuff. So. Right on. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I think it's it's super important, like obviously to have that foundation. Obviously, like your product essentially enables adventure, right? Mm-hmm. Is is one way to put it. Um, how do you how do you you know keep that keep that value true both for yourselves and your team um, on an ongoing basis? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think we really see business as an adventure in itself. I think that's that's part of the adventure for us is like whether it's Yammer right now or the business we had when we were, we were dating for three months and we started a business. Yeah, I moved to Edmonton and I was like, let's yeah. just fully fucking send it and see yeah. how it goes. Um, <laughs> so that's definitely always going to be a part of our journey and I think uh, we love that. So um, for our team, there's a couple things we do. We do something pretty regularly called Mountain Mondays where we give everybody a paid day off and let them go explore in the mountains and we'll set up like a team hike where we can go together. Some of them go on their own and like hit the trails on their bikes. But um, we're like very clear. We're like this extra day or X number of days per year. Like you can't just go like Netflix and do nothing or like yeah. run errands. It's like go to something fun that you love to do, whether it's like climbing or mountain biking or whatever, hiking, whatever. But use this as a chance to like, you know, live kind of the, yeah. the brand values and, yeah. and enjoy the outdoors. So, yeah. And personally, I think like, I mean, we're always trying to incorporate it. We just booked a trip to Italy. So we're going there in a month. Uh, we love to travel, but uh, it was in our wedding vows. So now we have to, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was actually in, binding. that was in my speech when I proposed to you. Yeah. Was, was adventure, like the idea of adventure too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, have you ever read let my people go surfing. I have, yeah. yeah one of the best books of all time. Yeah, yeah so right? that so we took a lot of inspiration from that book, I think, in starting the company. And as a small company, it's hard, it's hard to be able to like walk that walk when you're so busy and you know you're bootstrapping everything. We've bootstrapped sure. this full this company, so. Um, but we're, as we grow, we're trickling and like little little more pieces of that. I would say, as much as we can. So, 
Mountain Monday is a good start. I've been fortunate enough to know you guys since Van One, I believe. Yeah. Um, and I've I've noticed over the years, but even since the beginning, that you've both been super creative individuals, but in very unique ways, if that yeah. makes sense. And also your craftsmanship that goes into the vans, but also everything else you do, you know, like the the pre-planning and the and the marketing and all these different things is very very well executed. Uh, down to every detail. Talk to me about how important you know attention to detail is in your business, but not only on the van side, but also everything else that you do. Hmm. Do you have a good answer? Not for really this? a detail guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> I would say you're creative, though. Yeah, yeah. I think I think so. Certainly not very detailed, though. In that hmm. way, like I think we're good complements of each other for sure. Because um, I think Kevin actually described it once really well one day. Of like, I'll kind of go first and bulldoze shit, and you're kind of like making everything work. I'm kind of right behind me, and same with Kevin. Cleaning up your mess. Essentially, <laughs> yeah. But like, I think yeah. me and you and Kevin's skill sets, kind of driving the, the direction of the company, is, is a really good. It's a really good group and a very complementing skills. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think creativity and detail and 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 quality are very important to us as people. Like, mm. um, like I said early, we don't. We're not kind of people to like half-ass something. Like if we're gonna. Mm say like start a business or like our house reno or like whatever the thing is, the project is, um, we want to go all in on it and make sure it's done to the best of our ability, which I believe is actually, it's just a very high standard. So it's kind of how we approach anything in our life. Um, and I, I do which, think there's like an element of that that comes back to like the roots of Yama too, which is like your Japanese heritage and just that sort of like Japanese attention to detail and kind yeah. of like effort applied to the things that they do, and I think you really leaned into that when we were starting Yam as well. And anything Japanese, I'm obsessed with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. What, what does Yama mean? Uh, so Yama is the second half of my grandma's maiden name. So it's a family name. Uh, Nishiyama was the family name. Uh, Nishiyama means West Mountain. So Yama is essentially mountain. Um, so that's why it's lowercase as well, because it's kind of part of another word. Um, that's basically it. A bit of a hat tip to uh, like my background and my family and again automotives and a lot of what we do here is kind of really in my blood and my lineage and like Alex said we really connect with well me I'm obsessed with Japanese shit mm -hmm. but like we really connect with the Japanese philosophies in a lot of ways and just their like you said quality attention to detail um, and just their approach on on projects is just something that generally they want to leave uh, and do in a very high quality way uh, and almost like a, a like a legacy format, right? It's not just slap something together and sell it, uh, kind of the American way. It's more, let's do this to the best of our abilities. Mm -hmm. Not because we can sell it for more or make more, it's because we want to have pride in our work. And I think we really connect with that and the whole team here. Yeah. It's part of our values here too, so yeah. yeah. Alex, I'm jumping back a little bit, but when Pat was talking about kind of, you know, the first van and building that out, it sounded like, you know, you might not have been fully on board right off the bat and maybe a little bit hesitant. What was like, what kind of got you over that, over that hump and like made you realize, yeah, you know what, this is something I want to do or I can get behind or? Hmm. That's a good question. Probably a couple things. Like I have a very entrepreneurial spirit. I was working at the bank, but definitely feeling unfulfilled in sort of the creative side of my life. Um, so I was definitely craving something like that to grab onto. I was a little bit hesitant <laughs> when Pat said, I'm going to build this, I'm going to buy this $85,000 vehicle and then build it out. And you cut holes in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's fair. Um, but I mean, a lot of people do it, so I knew you were capable. I don't know. I think it was just the idea of, of latching onto something that is so freeing like it was almost a juxtaposition between like our my corporate life and 
totally. the job you had just left that are very sort of like rigid. Um, this lifestyle, this business became very appealing, I think, um, pretty quickly. And I was like, sweet, if we can go on a sick road trip, then I'm down. But, uh, but quickly it became a lot more than, than the road trip. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think trust. I was like, okay, I'll follow you. <laughs> if you want to do this, I'll jump in. Yeah. But, uh, I think we also, at the time, like, so I was in finance and you were uh, at the bank. And I think in a lot of ways, for me at least, I was like, this is the path that I've always wanted to be on, yada, yada. And I was like, we got there and we're like, this kind of sucks. Like, we're like, this is it. Like, yeah. you know, you're like kind of further in your career and you're kind of checking some boxes and you're like, it just didn't feel like enough. Mm. It felt kind of, for me, it felt kind of empty and kind of like underwhelming. So I think like, I think part of the reason why you're so stoked at the beginning uh, eventually is because it was just like you said, a juxtaposition of like your mm -hmm. career so far and like how different things could be. Yeah. And then when the business started kind of rolling, we're like, oh shit, we could like go full in on this yeah. uh, and kind of get the stuff we were craving in the corporate world sort of. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and I think too, we, like when I graduated university, I was like, okay, I'm gonna be an entrepreneur. I never thought I would be in corporate and it kind of just ended up that way. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny, I, have you ever worked in corporate? Uh, no, not not directly. No. Yeah, I it's like very. Would like it. um, I would like it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't no. think it's for me. I, don't no. I think like it was good for me in a sense that I'm very like competitive. I think I really thrived in that environment in a lot of ways, but um, it's kind of soul sucking, and you don't have the same amount of autonomy or creativity that you can like apply to things, and so that that was something we were really really craving. Um, that. It's interesting, like I, my mental health was kind of like in the tank when I was working in the last few years when I was doing both. I was trying to excel and climbing the corporate ladder and I was trying to excel and building Yama. Um, and it's funny, now that I've been in Yama for a year and a bit full time, um, I realized that it was actually corporate that was giving me that crazy anxiety. Like it's just, it's funny, this is way more stressful. We have way more on the line, like in theory, right? This would be a lot more difficult, but it's actually just so much more natural to come to work and face these problems than it was to work in a bank and interesting. talk about those things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, entrepreneurship is so interesting because like like you said, like you, it was always your thing, yeah. you know? For, for a lot of other people, they fall into it because they've, you know, have found a solution to a problem or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, but it's, I, I find, uh, specifically for me, when, you know, there's, like you said, there's way more stress in what we do, right, yeah. as entrepreneurs. But there's also, and you know, often, uh, for lack of better terms, it sounded like you were both kind of escaping something from mm -hmm. from your previous, you know, work work life, etc. Yeah. Um, and then you've built something that obviously you're able to do what you love every day, which is incredible. How do you maintain like not getting back to those things that you're trying to escape in the first place? Because those mm -hmm. things still come up even when you are, you know, your own boss or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that's a good question. I think. There's a couple different things. I mean, when I have moments of doubt, <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe I should just, you know, go get a cushy corporate job and, and do that instead. But uh, that thought doesn't last very long. Um, we are also, I think, like gluttons for punishment. So if, when it comes, hundred <laughs> percent, it's then so that weird. is entrepreneurship, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. When we're faced with those dilemmas, usually we pick the hard route. So that's very always. Like, it's so annoying. We yeah. always pick the hard thing, and yeah. I will keep doing it. I don't know why, but yeah. you're right. We just like the pain. Yeah. So, and then like when we're in the middle of it, we're like, why the fuck did we do this? But yeah. uh, it always turns out pretty well. 
for us. So yeah. I don't know. I think there's also like the cool part about what we do is that because we're building Yama and the team's building and most the majority of the team right now is on on our production team. Um, and now like the, I guess, more like uh, office type roles are starting to be a bigger part of what we do. Um, we're kind of carving our own paths and like what we want to do. So right now I lead our marketing customer service. Eventually I'd love to just be in that CMO role um, and focusing solely on marketing, but it's kind of cool that I can help shape the company and put the right people in the right places to help be able to funnel me into that position that's going to give me that fulfillment. Um, and I say, I'd say that's what we're really focusing on right now is like, how do we get the right people in the right seats and where do they want to be and, and giving them sort of fulfillment in, in what they're doing. So. Um, just seeing that clear path to being like, that's where I want to be and I know I can get myself there pretty, pretty easily. Um, that helps a lot, I think. Yeah, I think too that we were, I forget who it was, but someone gave us or gave me this, this tip about hiring once a long time ago, but of like, every time you hire, especially for the front of house staff is like a chance for you to carve off the things that you don't love as much and then mm -hmm. focus even further on the things that you do love. Yeah. So like if say if you have 10 things on your plate and you hire someone, you can you know, carve off two of them. So you're focused on eight now that you like more and keep doing that. And eventually your focus will be so sharp on things that you just love to do and you're good at. Um, that you kind of create your own role in a way mm -hmm. and you kind of keep following the thing that you like most. I yeah. found that's been really helpful. Yeah, yeah you said that way better. But that's but what I exactly meant. What you mean, <laughs> that's right? what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. And it's not just like delegating the crap tasks. Like, that's not what I mean at all, but it's delegating to people who would love that task and that you're not necessarily, like, great at yourself or, or want to be doing, right? So. Like, for example, when we brought Kevin on, so Kevin's all of our operations, and it's like, I'm not an operational person, uh, and he loves that. Like, he just thrives, and he's so, he's just so dialed into that mm -hmm. type of mindset mm -hmm. that it's, or it's not something that's, like, a crap job. It's just a job that I'm not excelling at, and I don't have the skills to excel at. No, do you I can, want to, really. No, I want to, yeah. yeah. But if I can like carve that out for the position, then we hire someone like Kev to take it, then I can focus even more on the stuff that I'm, I'm good at and I like, mm -hmm. and allows him to be in a, an environment that he thrives into. Yep. So I think that really helps. Do you find delegation complicated or hard to do? Like let go of those tasks that you know that you could potentially do a little bit better or you know that, that you want to be in control of? Or the... yeah. I'd say that's probably harder for me than it is for you. Yeah, Especially with things like, I think, because a lot of what I do in the company, marketing, customer service, um, they're things I want to protect. So I'd say yes, it, it is harder for me to kind of let go, especially if somebody's going to do something their own way. Um, but having clear boundaries around, like, or clear expectations in my own head about which things I need them to do, like, exactly how I want them to do it versus where they have a little bit more flexibility, like, making sure that I define that really well for myself and them really helps. Um, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say I definitely struggle with it a little bit more than you. I like to hoard things, but uh, totally. that's been a process of letting go for sure. I like to unhoard things. Yeah, you do. But, but it, it's hard for sure. Because yeah. um, like in a way, when we first started, like when we very first started, it was just me because you're working, you're paying the bills for the house, you're working at, the, at your corporate job. Mm -hmm. So like in a way, it was like you do all of the things when you start, when you're one person, right? And then you like hire someone, you do less things and you keep doing that. So in a way I've done all of the things at some point from build the first van to everything now. So um, I think what's made it easy for me to do that is hiring the right people. Mm -hmm. So like we only hire on culture fit, like that's, that's it. Like if you happen to know some good skills in the back, um, great, that's a bonus. But like if you're the right cultural fit, then you have the foundation to be taught our trade and what we do. 
Um, and that makes it so much easier to be like, here's what I'm going to trust you with. Because um, if they're the right fit culturally, like we're, we have no worries. Yeah. So that's where, I, that's where I don't have concerns. When there's a misalignment with culture fit, I find it, you're nervous to hand things off because you're not quite sure how they'll handle it. But if that fit is there, it's like, yeah, you give them the reins and they'll, they'll do really well. And if they fall on their face, it's okay, they'll learn. Um, but that makes it a lot easier, I find. Yeah. For sure. I agree. And we put them through the ringer when we're hiring. Like, I think our hiring oh, process yeah. is more intense than probably like any other trades hiring. Yeah, like, like it's long, it's painful, and yeah. I want it to be painful. Um, yeah, like I want it to be, because the, the cost of the wrong hire is so huge, right? Like, so it's better off to invest the time at the front end, put them through it, and if they still want it and you still want them and it's the right fit, then knock on wood, they should last a long time. Yeah. Um, we're very lucky that we don't have much turnover here. Um, things, of course, will change and people's lives change, of course, but in terms of overall happiness, the team is, we think, and from what they tell us, very happy and, and I think we'll stick for a long time. So would you say culture is more important then than like actual skill set? Obviously, it's a good balance, but is that, is I think, that accurate? I think to a point, yes, there's certainly base skills we need for some people on the team, like certified technicians on the mechanical team, certified cabinet makers on the cabinet team. Like there's definitely base levels we need. But once we kind of have those in place and the tickets are in place and the safety is in place and their things are being produced correctly, to kind of hire like more entry level skilled people for that team, it's more just, it's more just values. Mm -hmm. um, like two of our recent hires on the mechanical team, actually one, sorry, uh, doesn't have a ticket and isn't working towards his mechanical ticket. Um, but his values are so good mm -hmm. that we can teach him a lot of things that a ticket and mechanic doesn't need to do. Um, and it's still super valuable for the team. So I think values is the heart of it. Mm -hmm. Once there's a foundation of core skills you have. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Right on. How, so, I mean, we talk a lot of, you know, a lot of people talk a lot about work-life balance and I want to kind of spin that a little bit. Um, it almost makes me laugh. <laughs> it, it's, it's hilarious, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean, right? Yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting. I heard it described once as, you know, if you love what you, if you truly love what you do, then you don't, it's a, the traditional sense of work-life balance doesn't really exist to you mm -hmm. because, you know, you're getting all the fulfillment you need from yeah. your work, uh, wherever that is, whatever that looks like, et cetera. What does that mean to you guys? Do you align with that statement, you know? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I'll think about that one for a minute. Mm. I almost laugh because like, uh, not because I don't believe in it. I actually, I think, and for us, like for the team, we want to promote that. Like with Mountain Mondays and stuff, like it's really important to us as a, as a team, um, specifically for our team. So they're healthy, they're happy. Uh, they have like fulfillment in their, in their jobs here and they love working here. Um, but for us and for Kevin, like on the leadership team, um, it's kind of laughable in a way because if you're really trying to grow something and you're really committed to growing it, you can't do it in eight, 10 hours a day. You just can't. Yeah. Um, especially the first, you know, startup area, maybe it's like three to five years, that first period, there's not a chance. Like you would get nowhere. Um, yeah. That so first think, like four years at Yama, like, I don't know, I pretty much never saw you. And then outside of my corporate job, yeah, and I, I was working in was crazy. traditional I would, I would, hours. I would like, I would lose 20 pounds in stressful periods easily. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I just wouldn't eat. I just like was so, you just so, you're so focused on doing something. You just forget the basics and you stop taking care of yourself a little bit. I'm lucky that when I don't take care of myself, I lose weight. I don't gain weight. So, <laughs> but it's just, it's just like, you're so dialed in. I think now work-life balance is getting it's more balanced than it ever has been for us, like because the team's so great. Mm -hmm. So we, we really try to, like Alex said, we just booked a trip to Italy, which is kind of like a long time honeymoon coming sort of from being married two years ago, but 
Um, we really tried to prioritize our own time for sure. Um, but it wasn't really possible the first few years. Well, and I think too, being married and being partners in business, we have to be really careful about not bringing everything home. Yeah. Like we had to learn very early on to be like, okay, we're done, no more work because it's exciting and we want to talk about it all the time. But pretty soon that takes over and becomes everything. Um, so we're very, very, we're pretty good at that. We have a good boundary, come home and we're like, okay, I'm done talking about work, that's it. Um, and we respect that boundary. But I would also say that like work hard, like work-life balance for us actually typically looks more like work hard, play hard. <laughs> yeah. So I think we really value like working hard to achieve the things that you want to, but also like rewarding yourself and having a good time and enjoying life. Like totally. that's ultimately what it's about, right? Like we wouldn't do this if we didn't enjoy it. Yeah. I think we're very of the mindset that you kind of create your own adventure and you create the path that you're on. So you might as well create a good one. Yeah, but. for sure. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's funny, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people try not to go into business with, with their significant other, mm -hmm. with their partner, with their, you know. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great that you guys are making it work and very clearly, very well, obviously, too. So. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it for most people. <laughs> yeah, I'd say generally yeah. it won't work. I think it's yeah. actually, it's fucking hard, yeah. especially the first little while. Like, what do you call it, the storming and norming phase, where it's just kind of like you're getting your shit figured out? Mm -hmm. It was really hard. We had a, like a swear jar at home. So we talked about work like after 6 p.m., I think. Yeah. You had to put a, a thing in a swear jar and it was like five bucks a, a, a penalty. We never yeah. fucking paid it. But like, <laughs> but, like we, we tried different tactics. You might have gone on your six-month adventure if you yeah, did. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, we tried different tactics, but it's hard for sure. I would definitely caution people against doing that without really thinking through mm -hmm. it and trying something similar or smaller scale first together it's almost like traveling with someone is similar where like it's tight quarters kind of stressful whatever high pressure sometimes uh lack of sleep it's like how do you guys do traveling together that might be an, a nice small little litmus test on how you could do it but it's certainly not for everybody for sure yeah mm -hmm. Uh, you're in the custom world, which we're we're also in, so we're no 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 strangers to it. Um, how important is you know listening to your customers, and and how do you go about that? Not only from obviously before process is probably very you know well thought out, and you're getting all the getting all the answers that you need to be able to do the work that you need to do, mm -hmm. but also afterwards, and how does that how does that kind of shape what you do in the future? Yeah, it's interesting. We started off super, super custom, like the sky's the limit, whatever you want to put in your van, within reason, we'll, we'll do it. We'll try and make it happen. Um, and I think we had to start out that way um, just to learn like what works and what doesn't work and really be able to like pivot with that feedback. And so we're lucky that we're small enough that we can still make adjustments to the product as we go. So every time we're having a conversation with the client, we're taking note of like, okay, they didn't like that feature for XYZ reason. Maybe we should consider that a little bit further. We'll take that to our design team. Um, I'd say we're pretty iterative. Like we're very, what is that saying? Hmm. Uh, the continuous improvement. Is it Kaizen? Kaizen, Kaizen hmm. is a Japanese term that means continuous improvement. And we really try and kind of embody that spirit here at Yama. And I'd say our team's really good at it too. Sure. Um, but feedback is definitely important. We wouldn't be anywhere near where we are with our product right now without having that feedback and just making those adjustments all the time. And I think we've gotten to a place where we're kind of lucky that everything we built was custom so we could make adjustments. Um, but now we're at the place where we're trying to standardize things a little bit more to, to optimize production and things like that and, and operations. But um, 
Yeah, what does it look like? Um, I think it's been very informal for the most part. We do have a little bit of like a formal feedback process after mm -hmm. we deliver a van, um, but most of it's just building relationships with our customers. And I think that's the most important part is like really listening to them and being empathetic and, and understanding how they use a van, yeah. what they love, what they don't love. I feel like it can't be too dissimilar to your world. Like, mm -hmm. like, like in, in many ways, like our team and us and our, our designer as well, like there's a big creative element for sure. Uh, it's not like we're just producing the same van every day. So there, there is creativity involved, of course. Um, but you want to let the creatives be creative, right? But like within like mm -hmm. a safe sandbox, but like give them some space to do their thing. So I think early on, especially, and even now, like we tell our customers that like, here's kind of the design, here's whatever. But like, we want to have a little bit of say as we're building, if we want to make a tweak and change that we think will align with what you want and what your needs are and you as a person. And you want the freedom to have some creativity because if you don't like you know what i mean like if we try to tell you exactly how to do all your stuff like it's just not the same product you have to let the creatives and let the professionals do their own thing and for the team it's similar it's like here's how we build the vans here's the specs or whatever but certainly they have creative freedom to do things differently try something new um kind of allow their ideas to come through as well from even the build team all the way up to, to yeah. the design so it's really cool that you know we think about we think about you know vans or videos or anything like that as like a product you know the customers receiving a product but it's actually it's so much more than that obviously but also like understanding their needs and it's very personal you know it goes beyond it's it goes beyond the transaction you know I know I know for a fact that you guys are kind of following up with your customers from years ago and, and you know staying in touch and even selling reselling their vans for them and that sort of thing uh, really cool. Um, have you ever pursued something that was like a massive fuck up? Maybe it was a lot of resources or time or effort or anything like that um, that you know just didn't pay off in the way that you expected it to. I feel like we have little fuck ups like every oh, single day. All the time. <laughs> every single day. But we actually we recently went to fuck up nights and we we're thinking about this actually, and we're very lucky in a way that there's not like an obvious, clear, huge one, but. I know there's some coming, of course. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think that there's, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if there's like a really big, glaringly obvious one. I was actually asked this in a, at a on a panel a long time ago, and I didn't really have a good answer. Yeah. Um, Which is there you can think. Honestly, of? that's that's not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a bad answer. I feel so. like the problem is though we fuck up all the time, but I, maybe like that's small just small like, to mediums. Yeah, small to medium for sure. But I, yeah, small to mediums for sure. But I, I think we're maybe, very yeah. like maybe underestimating the size of space we need. Like that was pretty yeah. ineffective. Like I guess you know what I think the problem might be is that I'm like to my fault too optimistic. I think so when I see like fuck ups we've done, it's almost like I I can't help but to see what the good was it on it. Like it's just almost a fault. Like that is an example that. Like we, we signed onto a space before this space uh, for I think it was a three or four year lease, I forget. Mm. Um, but we all grew way too fast. Like within the first year and a half, two years, we're like, we need more space. Mm. So we had to move to this space. We had that lease still. Um, we had to sublease it to local laundry, which is great. Um, but like in my mind, that's like a great thing because we're, we're growing, we need more room. But certainly like committing to a space for too long, considering our trajectory at that time was mm -hmm. a big mistake. Yeah. We could have definitely done a shorter lease, more expensive, or found a bigger space and bit off a bit more early. Um, so that was definitely a pretty costly, a pretty costly mistake for sure. Well, and this is the third, third space we've been in. 
in for five us. years. Fourth space we've been in in five years. So like we've made that mistake more than once. We've moved a sure. lot, and the cost of moving is a fucking. Like you see how much stuff is in here. So. Yeah, 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 sure yeah. do. <laughs> but I also think that one of the reasons maybe we avoid the really big, big, big mistakes so far to date, um, yeah, is is I think we're very cautious with the big decisions. I think we really think through them. Um, certainly like you balance me out or else I would just be going full in on a lot of dumb shit. But, um, and with Kevin as well and our mentors too, um, like we just, we're very cautious with those big things. Mm-hmm. Um, even like standardizing the, the vans that we have and how do we do this to increase quality and you know, uh, make production more like predictable and, and all these things. It's like that decision is something we've been thinking about for over a year. It's like how do we approach that and make sure that the product is is elevated, the customer's experience is elevated, production times are down. Like how do we balance all those things versus if we just fully sent it, that could have been a big mistake. So I think we're really just cautious with the big stuff uh, and really think through it a lot. No, for sure. Now that the team's at a size where it's like, I mean, there's 15 of us, so we really, if we can, avoid those big mistakes as much as possible because we have so many more people to consider, right? And they've got kids and shit and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. So you just gotta be so careful with those, those big decisions now because it isn't just me and you anymore, right? It's like... I'm so glad. We looked at, in the beginning, and a couple of our competitors and, and other people, I know we've done this as well, I'm so glad we did not purchase the space. Yeah. Because we would have been in a lot stickier position if we had. And we severely underestimated the size of space that we would need to do this. Like, we'll probably outgrow this one that we're in right now. This is almost 10,000 square feet. Realistically, we'll, it'd be ideal if we had like 40. I looked at a 20,000 square foot warehouse down the street last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you just got to like have a pulse yeah. on what's out there. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's been a big one for sure. Yeah. yeah. Right on. That sounds, I mean, it, it, any fuck up should be looked at as like an option or opportunity to, you know, learn from, right? So, so I don't think that's, there's anything Do wrong with that. Do you have any that. big ones? Yeah, it's a hard question, eh? I find it really difficult. The fuck up nights people did a really good job, yeah. but like I, I found it really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is complicated. And I think, I think everybody looks at it differently because I, I agree with you. You know, there's, there's plenty that I can think of top of head for sure. Uh, do I consider them big? Probably not because the learning was, I mean, they were probably, yeah, massive mistakes, absolutely, but the, uh, you sure as shit didn't do it again. Yeah. For sure. Right, yeah. so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's hard to it, is. it, right? Yeah. 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 Um, it's really interesting, you know, community is so important for any business, right? Um, obviously, everybody knows that, uh, but when your customer, is, you know, you only deal with, how many customers do you deal with on a? Uh, we have four on the go at a time, so quite a few. But there's I would always say a bunch like, in the design queue as well, so. Yeah, we're dealing, at, at one time, it's hard to say, but we're dealing with the ones we're designing, the ones that are in production, and then service and support afterwards. So really our customers, they always come back to us mm-hmm. pretty much for service and support. So they're kind of lifetime customers at that point. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I don't know, like lots. lots. Like, I don't know, 15 plus at a time, mm-hmm. probably. Okay. Yeah. Um, how many of those are local? Probably half. Half? Yeah, half. Local, local to Calgary. Canadian, I would say Canadian. Half. Local to Canada. Okay. Yeah, okay. half American. Half American. Within the Canadian 50%, I would say like, I don't know, 10 to 20% of them are Albertan. Most mm-hmm. of them are out of province. Okay. Yeah. Uh, regardless of, you know, the diversity of where, you're, where your customers are from, I always see you at local events and that sort of thing, you know, supporting local breweries or local products or anything like that, or even just going to the, you know, networking and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. is is obviously valuable to you. Um, Why is that and why is it important to maintain? Hmm. 
I think some of that comes from your background, to be honest. You think? Yeah. I think it's really important. So when I first started working at the bank, I worked in the Entrepreneur Center and got exposed to many, many events and quickly realized in talking with all of the entrepreneurs that I was working with at the time, like how lonely of a journey it was for them. And us too, we're naturally introverted. So I think our default state is like, let's go in our house and not talk to people. Really? I don't think, <laughs> you wouldn't guess no, it? No, not at all. It's, it's kind of funny. Like I think, I don't know, maybe not fully introverted, but during COVID I realized I'm like, oh, I'm super cool just like sitting in my house by myself mm. all the time and it doesn't bother me at all. Whereas I know it bothered a lot of people. Um, and so I think we really push ourselves to get out there and to connect with community because it is such a lonely road. And it sounds so cliche, but like, no offense to our friends and family who aren't on this journey with us, but we find it hard to connect sometimes with, with other people who don't understand what it's like to have the trials and tribulations of owning your own business, right? And so- I think, I think it's like having a kid. I'm just guessing, I don't, we don't have kids, I'm just guessing. You're gonna offend people. I know. <laughs> Yeah, okay. No offense to no, kids. I like that. Let's, <laughs> like, let's explore like, that. What, what I mean is like, um, as soon as someone has a kid, their friends are all people with kids. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. people with kids in their lives, their, their friends, their siblings, whatever, that also have kids, that becomes their crew because they know what it's like. They know like what the birth experience was like, how shitty it is to raise a kid at the beginning, right? Like, yeah, it's sure. so hard and like, we don't understand. So if someone with a kid is like, I'm having a really hard time with blah, 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 and sleep and blah, blah, and we're like, my lab, my black lab is perfect. I don't know what to tell you. So like we can empathize or we can sympathize. We can't empathize because we don't know what it's like. So I think it's similar with business. It's like as much as our friends and family love us and want to know about how things are going and like how we're doing, it's hard to go really deep with it because they don't know what it's yeah. like and how hard it is and how much you really commit to it and how much it takes. Similar to I think having a kid. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. I see. Surround yourself I mean. with you know, the similar people. In yeah, reality, right? I yeah. think yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, people who understand like why you would want to put yourself through something totally. like this. It's incredibly stressful, costs a lot of money, and it's hard. So, yeah. yeah. yeah for sure. so. I think it's part of the reason why we're out there is because people know, you know, like what it's like. Mm -hmm. Not everyone knows. Yeah. So it's just different. Yeah. Yeah, it really is hard to find people that kind of understand what you're going through at all times. So, yeah, that totally makes sense. Right on. Um, what kind of what kind of tech are you using? Are you currently using any like forthcoming tech, like um, you know AI or blockchain or anything like that? That's kind of you know changing the landscape, specifically AI and that sort of thing. I think we could do a lot better job of this. I think there's definitely opportunity to use AI where we're not currently like procurement and things like that, where we haven't even begun to scratch the surface. Um, and just in manufacturing in general, I think there's a lot of opportunity. Sure. I'd say right now in marketing is probably the place where we're using it most. Um, like, like for copy and stuff? And things like that, just mm -hmm. to help write copy and even strategy, marketing strategy sometimes can be really useful for. And so that would be probably the biggest implementation we have right now. But I think there's a lot of opportunity yeah, I'd say to we go aren't, a little bit deeper. aren't doing a lot of stuff, like advanced stuff for sure. Like, yeah. I think one day we'll sell, maybe actually to you, our first Bitcoin van. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's some cool stuff down the road. Yeah, we've talked about yeah. that. Yeah, I'm but in. like, sign me up. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I, I, I don't know, maybe we just haven't really focused like 
to that those kinds of areas to see where the opportunities are for us. Mm. Um, I think we're still pretty like in it trying to make things work here, the systems we have, but I think there's big opportunity. Mm. Um, we just don't quite see it through the trees quite yet. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, unless you see some opportunities that you can tell yeah, us. Absolutely. So what's next? What, how are you positioning for growth? What are you doing next? Are, you know, obviously the change from going full custom to kind of these like almost preset, if you will, if that's the wrong word, apologize. Um, you know, what's what's the next step in kind of those those big steps, those big journeys? And do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? Go ahead. Or is that mapped out yet? Is you know, have you started thinking about that? There's lots of opportunity. I think we haven't settled on one path at this point. I think we, our goal is to be, oh no, I'm going to get it wrong. I'm going to say it the wrong way. The best off-grid. Anyways, we want to be the best. That's it. <laughs> in North America. In Canada, for sure, we want to start there. Um, I think we have an opportunity to, we've really carved a niche in this market of like an RV that's more capable uh, a little bit more comfortable than like tenting or something like that and something that's really spontaneous and feels like you're at home and so I think we're unique in the market in that sense and our product um, will stand the test of time so we're excited to continue to lean in and, and manufacture more of them um, but there's a lot of opportunity as well and like, the rental side of things is something we would consider getting back into I think it was it was a really fun endeavor and we're well positioned now to do that a heck of a lot better than we did in the beginning um, so that's certainly something that we're kind of kicking around um, and, it, and it would be fun to be able to like offer that to people who can't afford to buy a fully custom van and just let them experience all the things we love about it. Um, there's certainly a side we've looked in e-commerce. We've built a whole e-commerce store and not launched it multiple times. So we like have merch and that sort of thing. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, more like camping and outdoor lifestyle type okay. items. So like really amazing gear from like Korea and Japan and stuff like that that is a little bit lesser known here in in Canada, um, we just keep keep teeing it up and then being like, oh no, we shouldn't do that yet. So That's kind of um, similar back to that mistake question. It's like, yeah. it's, it could be so easily one of those things that's a huge mistake where you're like, you launch it and all of a sudden, now 25% of our focus and our front of house staff focus is on like fulfillment for orders and you're like, well fuck, and then the core business fails and then you miss customer expectations for the builds. And so we don't want that to fumble, so we're like, we have it just ready to go, just got to press on, and it's like live, but we're just hesitant until it's like perfect so we can deliver an amazing experience. To deliver something half-assed is just not really our thing, so. Hello. Sintas Tim. It's our Sintas Tim. It's our Sintas guy. We love Tim. Should we invite him on? Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what was the question again? Growth. Growth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think at the core, basically, we want to elevate what's currently seen as the RV industry. Mm. So I think for us, the goal is to build the number one off-grid class B RV in Canada. That's um, what I was trying to say. And to be honest, I think we're there. Like it's just a matter of like, our scale's not big enough to really be seen as like a big player quite yet, but it's there, it's there for sure. Um, and I think for us to just scale that up a little bit bigger, to be a big enough voice to say, hey, industry has to be picked up a bit in terms of quality standards and how can we help to lead that charge in the industry and kind of make everyone pick up their socks a bit. Um, I find that's really important for us to be leading that charge and then bring that across to the US as well, but um, really elevating the quality of the vehicle that people can expect from a Class B RV, um, starting with Canada, so mm -hmm. yeah.
There's a lot of, there's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very niche industry, but I feel like also there's like, you know, we've talked about this off camera, but companies popping up left, right, and center kind of mm -hmm. thing, right? How do you, is there a collaboration atmosphere between you all? Is it competitive? Like, how does that, what does that landscape look like? I would say it's less collaborative and more competitive. Yeah. Would you agree? Yes, but I think that's kind of our doing. You think so? For, at least for our insight into that world, like, yeah. I can't speak to like how they might collaborate, but I can, just from seeing the industry, I think it is quite, overall, quite competitive. Um, there certainly is inspiration drawn from other builders on like ideas and kind of elevating the industry, which is fantastic. But I think it's quite competitive. I think, at least for us, like starting out, you put blood, sweat, and tears to learn the trade because you just, you're inventing it as you go. So for us to collaborate with a brand new builder and give them four years of trade secrets is really hard for us. We want to really protect it. Mm. Um, like this team, the team here puts in so much work to develop mm. that all the little tricks and, and, and tips on how to do things properly and correctly and efficiently and to just kind of be collaborative is, is something we're not quite ready for yet. Um, then the same idea, like I think we have some competitors, you can call it in the US, that we talk with frequently that are uh, pretty open book, more or less. Yeah. Um, the markets are a bit different. They can't build for Canadians, so it's, it's not quite a competitive feel. Mm. Um, Why is that? Just some legalities with cross-border stuff with the sprinters. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's so. interesting. So, I don't know. I think there's a lot more opportunity to be collaborative, but it's a little bit, because it's such a niche space, we're limited in like our suppliers and things like that, and even talent and stuff like that too is really niche. So. Um, it makes it a little bit tricky to be collaborative without having too much overlap, if that makes sense. So. But I think at the same time too, like, I think we have to lead the charge to make it more like, I always think of like the brewery industry as like an example, because it's kind of similar. It's like a similar kind of vibe in terms of like who's on the team uh, and a lot of like the values they hold. And I see the brewery industry kind of similarly where it's small, it's niche, it's quite community focused. Um, like it's not quite there, but I think we could lead the charge to make it more like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we have to lead that yep. as the leaders in, in the country for sure to say, industry, let's, let's do this, make it more, more shareable. Um, but I really like to make sure that we're like ironed in as like the leader first before we kind of start making that happen. Yeah. Make sure we're in a good spot, so. Yeah. Yeah. Love that approach, Yeah, right on. But it'll be fun though. Like next year with our marketing van, we hope to be able to lead a lot more of those types of events and meetups and just kind of like develop what adventure van travel looks like in Alberta and Canada. It's, it's fairly new in Canada as compared to the US. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to do some like really fun stuff, really cool stuff. So. Right on. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see what happens next. So, well, thanks. Yeah, yeah we're and, excited too. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Uh, we've probably interrupted your staff for long enough now. That's good. Appreciate your time <laughs> and answering the questions and happy to have you. Thanks yeah, so much. Thanks it was so really, much. it was fun. It was yeah, a pleasure.